0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to church.
1: Please stand and join us in worship.
2: This morning, weary land where many a dream has died. Like a tree planted by the water, we never will run dry. So, living water flowing through, God, we thirst for more of you.
3: Fill our
2: hearts and flood our souls with one desire. Just to Joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable. Anything is possible. Joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, Zum- love unstoppable. Idol- anything is possible. Joy unspeakable, Bishop. faith unsinkable, <laughs> love unstoppable. Anything is possible. Just kim- to, you know, way to, to know you, trying to make you know. we Can ever separate us From the love of our infinite God And it's not that we first loved him But that he first chose to love us Even as in sin and darkness we try What shall we say in response to this Has called us to love like he does, so let us consider. So I'm
4: A little battery malfunction there. It is uh, great to see you as we gather for worship today. And I, I suspect on this uh, holiday weekend, you may uh, be spending extra time with family, friends. We hope that's a wonderful time for you as we uh, give thanks for people who have sacrificed for our freedoms. We also want to uh, welcome you as a part of this Youth Sunday. We are uh, so grateful for the young people that God has given to us and blessed us with as a church. And it's exciting to see them using their gifts and ministering to us. It's one of the things about the body of Christ. It's it's always a two-way street. We are always learning from one another wherever we may be in our journey or our age. And so uh, I know that God is going to speak through them, as he already has in our singing, and uh, later through a time of prayer together and through the, the word being preached. So we're glad to hear, have you here and uh, praying God's best upon them. Also, uh, we are uh, also in, inviting you to be a part of praying with Christians around the world uh, during uh, the uh, this, this season uh, for Muslims. And uh And we have some prayer guides in the back for you that you can pick up, 30 days of prayer. It began yesterday, but you can jump right into it. Please feel free to take one of those. If we run out, we will quickly order some more and get those to you. We know that God uh, works through prayer. And so uh, we are praying for uh, the Muslim world, for them to be open to Christ in spite of many things that are happening in the world right now. So we encourage you to be a part of that. Thank you.
5: Good morning. I'm excited to share with you an update about what's been happening in the past couple of months with our Sunday school children. April was a busy month in the CE building. There were lots of kids, lots of lessons, lots of smiles. One of the biggest highlights last month was watching six of our youth get baptized on Easter morning and hearing their testimonies of God's faithfulness. There is nothing sweeter than when our teachings transform into real life-changing faith. We're especially thankful for several people who've decided to invest in our children since our last update, from writing songs, especially for our monthly memory verses, to offering to fill in as substitutes whether or not teaching is actually their thing. (laughs) We couldn't provide such a rich environment for so many kids without them. We have been completely blessed by you, our church family. As May is also about to pass us by, our students have learned about the early church, They focused on how the early church began, how leaders were chosen, as well as specific teachings by Peter, John, and Stephen. We're looking forward to celebrating the end of our Sunday school year together with you on June 11th, at our welcome to Summer Potluck. We'd love for you to come, enjoy a meal with us, and say some kind words to the many, many hands who have made this year a success. As I shared last time, we've loved learning our memory verses together as a congregation, For the month of May, our verse has been Psalm 122.1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. As we move towards June, we're going to be learning Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. As our littlest attendees learn this verse, will you encourage them? Will you find a child practicing the verse together, even just giving high fives? These little moments are the things that mean the world to our kids. Thank you.
6: I know what it is. It's the boot drive oh. for the new ambulance. Make a U-turn quick. Ah.
7: <sighs> you know it's going to be a good day when you get the
6: last apple fritter in the case. 79 cents, please. Who doesn't love Christmas shopping? Oh, there's the Salvation Army guy. Oh wait, let's see what I got. Oh no, Sadie took my last five for a vanilla latte at Java. Okay, this is so embarrassing. No eye contact, walk by quickly. Did you see the sign for the toll? Uh, yeah,
2: did you get some change?
6: Well, I don't have any. I used all my quarters to wash the car. Get,
2: check the glove box and the floor mat. No. The seat. <laughs>
6: well, I don't like to say I told you so, but I told you we should have gotten the easy pass. <sighs> That'll be
2: sixteen seventy-three. Nope,
6: no checks, cash only. China Star. Uh, That's gonna be a
2: problem.
6: (laughs) Oh, Danny, isn't this romantic? It's a wishing well. Why don't you make put a quarter in and make a wish about us?
2: I wish I had a quarter. <laughs> 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 what a
7: house key would never use that. that.
2: <laughs>
7: <laughs> uh, so great to get together with friends. The food was fantastic. It
6: was fun. Yeah, this was great.
7: Yeah. So, hey, looking at the check here, it looks like if everyone, how often does it work out perfectly? If everyone's got a 20, we have enough to pay for everything, and we have enough for the tip. So,
6: Um, perfect. uh, No, this is the last time, I promise. Can you cover me? (laughs) Thank you so much for helping me with my luggage. This trip has been long. I know I brought a lot. Here, let me see if I have a tip for you. Okay.
2: Uh,
6: how about I get you a double next time I'm in town? Oh, Dan, here comes the offering plate. Oh, goodie. You have to check no, no, I didn't write a check. I don't I don't have anything with me. Well, I don't have it. If only there were an easier way.
3: We can't help you with donuts, tolls, and wishing wells, but we can help you with the offering. Starting next month, you'll be able to give your offering with an electronic funds transfer directly from your checking or savings account. The insert in this morning's bulletin will provide you with more information. And you can also check with Troy Martin and, or David Mercer if you have questions. Just think, you'll never have to be embarrassed again, at least at church.
4: Father, as we come to this uh, place of worship today, we have gone through a wide variety of experiences this week. Some have been joyous, some have been difficult, but we're here today to acknowledge that we know you've been with us through every one of those moments. And as we come today with burdens on our hearts and, and with needs in our lives and in this world, we once again offer our prayers to you. We pray, Father, for this world in which we live that you love and Christ died for. We look all around us and we see so much pain and heartache and difficulties. and we bring to you the needs of our world. We think about the church in the world, and we pray for the Rodrigos who are working in Sri Lanka. We pray that you'd give them strength as they as they share the gospel with people, as they raise up churches, as they help people understand who you are. We pray, Father, that you will bless their ministry. We think of our many brothers and sisters in places of the world where they worship you and serve you in great opposition, persecution. We pray that your grace would be on them. We think of the this massacre of Christians this week in Egypt. Our hearts are burdened and grieved at the loss of life and the injuries and the pain. We think, Father, of, during this month of fasting in the Muslim world, that you would, bring, you would bring hope to the Muslim world, that you would raise up your church to be a presence of hope and love, and blessing, and grace as people encounter you. Father, we pray for for the needs that we bring with us today. We pray for those who are grieving. Ask for your comforting presence upon them. We pray for all who are struggling with issues of health. And I think of Ellis Brotsman and Brian Masson, Chuck Barrett, Joe Breton, Cheryl O'Brien, Store Emmett. We pray for Ben King and Doris Sepian and Isla Shea and Sheldon Emerson, for Laurel Bucher, Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey and Phil Muker and Mike Raybuck, for Beverett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Dick Gould and Emily Cricklar and others who are on our minds and our hearts today. And we pray that your grace would be at work in them. We pray, Father, for uh, our our church and the ministry of our church, and we think especially of our young people in this, in this congregation. We thank you for every one of them, and we pray that they will know your grace in their lives every moment. And we pray for the ministry of churches around us. And today we pray for the Hess Road Wesleyan Church up in Appleton, and Pastor Joe Payne, and We ask that your grace would be upon this congregation, that they would know uh, the bond of love in you with each other that would give them the ability to share that love with others. And Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we want to give you thanks for our freedom. We want to give you thanks for people who have sacrificed and served and died, that we might... Come to places like this worship that we might have the kind of lives that we have. Help us not to take it for granted. We pray, Father, for for all who this weekend, it is a time of remembering and perhaps pain. And we pray that they will know your grace upon them. Thank you for being with us today. Be blessed in our worship, in all that we do. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
7: Good morning. This time I'd like to invite our seniors, graduating from high school, to come on up here and stand in front of the church. guys can, you can use both sides. Scooch right on down here. Mr. Anderson, move right on down. There you go. Good. Spread right out across there. Go ahead. All right. We love this time of year. We have an opportunity to recognize uh, a milestone in these students' lives and when we do this, it makes me, you know, I think a lot about uh, when we do like a baby dedication or a, a dedication of a child in our church. And Pastor Wes holds the child in front of us, and he reminds us that God is already at work in that child as a small child, right? And then he reminds us of our responsibility as a community, as a congregation of faith, to be a part of that process, to be invested in, those, in that child's life to help to nurture and to help to grow them. And as we look at these now adults who are ready to step out into the world, uh, we know God is still at work, right? No matter where they are in their walk, in their spiritual journey, God is still at work. He's faithful. And our responsibility hasn't changed either, right? Our responsibility to love and to encourage and to support. And so we want to affirm that, and we want to uh, recognize that fact, and we want to say to you guys that we love you, some of you have grown up your whole lives in this church, and we know you well, and some of you have only been with us for a little bit of time. But we love you, and we want you to know that we're going to be praying for you, and we care deeply about you. And so before we do the, our prayer for them, I'm going to pass the microphone, and you're going to hear, they're going to say their name, where they're graduating from, and maybe what kind of plans they're going to have for next year if they know what that is. All right? Start down here.
1: I'm Ali Stevic. I'm graduating as a homeschooler, and next year I'm going to Houghton College.
4: I'm Anderson. I'm graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'm moving to Florida, Jacksonville University.
3: I'm Chibi. Um, I'm graduating from Houghton. I'm going to King's College in Pennsylvania. Hello, I'm Benet. I'm... Um,
4: I plan... I'm graduating from Houghton Academy and I plan to go to college somewhere.
8: Hey, my name is Mohammed. I'm graduating from Houghton Academy and I plan to go to Miami University in Ohio, not in Florida. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I'm Alice and I'm graduating from Houghton Academy and I'm going to University of California at Santa Barbara.
4: My name is Lawrence I'm graduating from the Academy. I'm going to the University in Boston.
3: My name is Frank. Graduating from Houghton Academy, I'm going to University of Massachusetts.
0: My name is Kiwi. I'm go- I'm graduating from Houghton Academy and I'm going to University of Massachusetts Boston.
1: Hi, I'm Tess. Um, I'm graduating from Fillmore and going to Houghton.
8: Hi, I'm Lydia. I'm graduating from Fillmore and I'm going to a Bible school in England next year.
7: Hi, I'm Micah. I'm graduating from Fillmore, and I'm going with Lydia to that Bible school.
4: Um, I'm Aure. Right. I'm graduating from Houghton Academy. I am going to St. Joseph University.
0: Um, I'm Amanda. I'm graduating from Houghton, and I'm moving to Canada but I don't know where yet. Um, I'm Marlene. I'm
5: graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'm going to AIC, American International
2: College, Massachusetts.
1: Hi, I'm Kyung Min, and I'm graduating from Houghton Academy, and I'll be attending to the college in Texas. Hi, I'm Anais, and I'll be going to Emerson. Oh, and I'm graduating from Houghton Academy. <laughs> I'm Nikki, I'm graduating from Houghton Academy. I'm going to Arizona State. I'm Hane, and I'm graduating from Houghton. And I plan to go to Wheaton College next year.
7: All right. Now, uh, what I'd like you guys to do is just to, we're going we're gonna to spend just a couple minutes praying uh, for these young people. And I'm going to ask you guys just to turn around and kneel at the altar right there. And then friends and family, or even if you just want to come up, we're going to lay hands on these, on these folks and pray for them. I've got to three or four people to, to pray. And uh, we'll get right at that.
6: Hey, let's pray together. Father, as we look at these wonderful young people in front of us this morning, we want to ask for your presence to go with them as they leave here. Pray that you would fill them with many remembrances of how much they are loved here in Houghton, but even more important, how much you love them. I pray, Father, that many, many times they will remember your goodness to them, And that they will be drawn closer to you as they leave this place. We pray in Jesus' name.
3: Lord, we think about our seniors here as they're graduating. We just pray pray your blessing on their lives. Um, We pray that wherever they are in their spiritual journey, that they continue to seek you in the decisions of life. We pray for their futures the highs and the lows, we pray that they'll continue to look to you for guidance, for their security. Lord, we just pray for their future plans, whatever they may be. Or we just pray that they would work hard and just enjoy what you have before them. In your name I pray. Amen.
0: Lord, I just thank you so much for each of the um, seniors that are here. Thank you for their families, Lord. And I just pray that you would um, just bless each of the people that are here today, Lord. And I pray that they will know in a very real way that they are a precious treasure to you, Lord. And I also pray that, just like Elijah prayed, that his servant would be able to have his eyes opened and see the... um, the fiery horsemen in the hillsides that were just there ready to take care of them, that you would open up the eyes of each of, these, each of these kids that are just standing right on the brink of a big adventure, that they would know that you are real and that you are there to protect them and help them. And, Lord, I just pray, too, that you would surround them with people that can continue to help them grow and develop into the people that you want them to be.
4: Father, we pray that you'd help each of uh, these young people to know that following you is the path of life and joy and all that they were created to experience, this life of flourishing that you have designed for them. And may they sense that every day in all that they are and all that they do and that they know that you seek them, you love them, you want everything best for
7: them. We ask this through Christ. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for these young people and the time that we've had that you've placed them in our care. We ask, Father, now as they go out that you would bless them. We place them in your hands, Lord, and we ask for your blessing on them in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
8: Psalms 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? My tears have been my food for day and night. While people while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour my soul. How I used to go to the house under the precision of the mighty one, with, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why my soul... Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is a downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, and the mount, from Mount Mizar, Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all the waves, your breakers, have swept over me. By the day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer of the God of my, the God of my life. I say, to God, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, op- oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, as the foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Children may be dismissed for, jun- for Children's Church and Junior Church.
1: This week, I was trying to come up with a title for this sermon. I was talking with my mom about it, and we were saying, What about longing for God? At this point, my six year old brother piped up, Longing for God? He said, What do you mean? Everybody longs for God. He said this very condescendingly, as if unimpressed that I even needed to discuss it. But he's right. I think all of us, at some time, have felt far from God. I remember being at a teen worship service a few years ago, singing praise songs. The band was playing soft music, and the speaker had just delivered a powerful message. I remembered that in the past, this had made me feel close to God, but at the moment, I was feeling farther from God than I had in a long time. It's something we all struggle with, knowing that God is there, but not really feeling that he is close by. It's hard to be aware every moment of every day, that God is with you, close to you. And maybe we can survive with this feeling of distance for a while, assume that the longing we feel is for a friend, or a more fulfilling job, an interesting story to occupy our minds. But as you've likely noticed, even when you attain any of these things, the longing doesn't go away. Maybe it wanes for a while, but before long, it's back again in full force. Longing almost seems to be an integral part of the human condition. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that says, if we find in ourselves a longing that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. There's not a doubt in my mind that what we are really longing for so desperately and endlessly is God. That's what Psalm 42 is talking about a deep longing for God, desperate, like deer in the desert, almost on the point of dying from thirst. This image is not supposed to be idyllic. This is not a deer in a lush forest. This is us calling out to God and saying, God, I am dehydrated to the point of death. Everywhere I look, it seems you are not there, and if you are not with me, I will die. This is the kind of longing you feel at the worst, most lonely times of your life when you got that scary diagnosis, when you had to uproot your life and move to a new place, when your friendship with someone important to you broke apart. What's interesting to notice is that even though we know God, we are not exempt from this longing. This is not a non-believer who feels something missing in their life. This is someone who has known God and loved God for a long time, feeling empty and disconnected from God. In fact, the whole situation is made worse by the fact that it was not always like this. In the past, we felt connected to God. We are like the psalmist. We remember going to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Maybe it wasn't very long ago. Maybe it's been quite a while, and it's starting to feel inescapable. But either way, now we're feeling disconnected from God, looking around and wondering if it's just us, all alone with this aching longing. One of the things I like about this psalm is that it openly acknowledges that we don't have it all figured out. Things aren't great. We don't always feel close to God. We all know that the Christian life is not supposed to be easy. But it's reassuring to have someone else write about their intense loneliness and longing for God. It's important to remember that we are not alone in this. Is this longing then inevitable? Are we destined to feel as if we are interacting with God through a wall... For as long as we are living on this earth, is the kind of relationship with God that we want impossible, given our fallen human condition? I'm convinced, for a number of reasons, that it's not. The most noteworthy being a man named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a 17th century monk. He is best known for a collection of his teachings called of the Presence of God. Brother Lawrence said that to be always aware of God's presence, we must be constantly in conversation with him. He communed with God always as he went about his work in the kitchen of the monastery. I think perhaps the most striking thing about this book is the tender language with which he describes his relationship with God. Brother Lawrence is described as loving God incessantly and endearingly. God and Brother Lawrence are described as friends and companions. Numerous times, the book tells of Brother Lawrence saying something to God in the same sort of way you might casually mention something to your friend or make a joke to your spouse about something passing at the time. And he says that there is no sweeter manner of living in the world than continuous communion with God. I can easily believe it isn't connection what we most crave, to be known for who we are and loved just the same and never, never abandoned. This kind of relationship should be at its best with God, the all-knowing, unfailing creator of the universe, who is perfect, and will never leave us or misunderstand us. So how do we attain this? How do we escape the longing and the loneliness and finally feel the presence of God with us always? I think that's a question we will never stop answering. But there are some concrete pieces to it. The sixth verse of Psalm 42 reads, My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, Mount Mizar, I think there's an enormous amount hinging on that word, therefore. It's the idea that you should proclaim God's power and duty because you do not feel aware of his presence. It's the practice of remembering, saying this is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, the God of David, the God of Peter and Paul, and the God of me. When it feels the most like God is far away, that's when you deliberately remind yourself of who he is, of everything he has done in the past. Brother Lawrence said that the worst trial he could imagine was losing the sense of God's presence, but that he was so confident in God's greatness that he knew God would never leave him entirely. To be honest, the first time I read this book, I found it rather lacking. Specifically, I wanted it to give me concrete, personalized advice on exactly what I should be doing to be closer to God. But of course, this was not the case. I think to some degree, that's because there isn't any one answer In the same way that there's no one all-encompassing path to becoming friends with a person, there is no one path to becoming friends with God. Every person is unique, and thus every person must find their own way to connect to the creator. I sometimes like to do things like draw little symbols on my hands so that I'm reminded of God's love when I look at them. Or sometimes I like to just lie down in the grass in silence and feel the earth that God has made. And I think the most important thing to remember is that as much as you are desiring God, he is desiring you. In fact, God wants you even more than you want him. God doesn't just want you generally as one of millions and millions of people that he has made. He wants you specifically with your particular sense of humor, your taste in music, your strengths and weaknesses. And if God, the creator of the universe, the one who went so far as to become flesh and to die for us, wants to be close with you, there's no doubt about the outcome. It's just a matter of when. We need not despair. God will not leave us comfortless. But still, there remains the question. If God wants to be close to us, and we want to be close to God, why does this distance remain? I don't have an easy answer to that. It's something I'm trying to figure out, I'm working away at it all the time as the days and years go by. It comforts me to know that the possibility for a close friendship with God even exists, but I'm very impatient and I want it now. One thing I've been thinking about a lot lately that I fear relates to this question is the story of how Brother Lawrence converted. The story is so important that it's placed on the very first page of the book. According to the story, it all happened one winter day when he was 18, looking at a barren tree. This tree had no leaves or fruits or any sign of life at all. But he knew that in a few months, spring would come, leaves would bud out, followed by flowers and fruit. It says that this gave him a profound impression of God's providence and a great love for him. There are two things about this that really strike me. The first is that it can be seen as a kind of metaphor for our spiritual lives. Same providence that blesses this tree with the assurance of future foliage also blesses us with the promise that our longing will not last forever. We are many of us accustomed to think of fall and winter as a sign of death, representing in some ways the fall of man. Leaves die and fall away, and everything gets cold. The birds leave, bugs die, and humans and other animals hibernate. The world looks pretty dead, and it's hard to believe that only a few months before, The same barren places were cloaked with color and life. But winter is, in its own way, a metaphor for life. Spring comes again, year after year without fail. And winter is not the end of everything after all, but just another stage. Maybe you are going through a spiritual winter now, even at this moment, as I am talking to you. Let me assure you, the promise of spring is real. Winter will not last forever. The deer in the desert will find water, and you will be close with God again. The psalmist knows this, saying that his soul is sad and disturbed, and then almost in the same breath saying that his hope is in God, and he will praise him yet again. In fact, he calls God, God my rock, even while asking, Why, why, God, have you forgotten me? The intense pain and longing of this psalm coexists with this kind of calm hope that can only be rooted in an assurance of God's good nature. The second thing about this story of Brother Lawrence's conversion that strikes me is how much wisdom he seems to get from this tree. He looks at this barren tree and is so impressed with what it says about God's goodness that his whole life is changed. He is never the same again, all because of a tree in winter, something we've all seen hundreds and hundreds of times. Nature has an endless supply of proverbs waiting for us. In fact, one of the important things to remember when you're feeling alone and far from God is that the world all around you is full of messages from God. Perhaps the robin outside your window, carefully building its nest with twigs, has something to tell you about God's paternal nature and his attention to detail. Or perhaps God is speaking to you through a person that you know, suddenly catching you off guard with the words of truth you most needed to hear. If you're like me, you'd probably like a bolt from the blue, a huge voice from the sky telling you what you need to do, explaining everything, and most importantly, assuring you that God is near. The story of Paul on the road to Damascus has a certain appeal, the direct and unmistakable communication from the Lord. But there is a lot that God has to tell you in less obvious ways, through flowers and little children, through the taste of chocolate and the richness of colors everywhere. God is much closer than you may think. If you've been looking in the sky for a while and haven't found him there, try looking down at your feet, at the earth where you stand. Notice how the worms blindly go about their ways without worrying. Perhaps they understand God's closeness and his protection much better than we do. Then, take what you have learned from worms and from the Bible and those with more wisdom than you, and proclaim it from the heights of Hermon, or perhaps from the hill nearest your house. My favorite part of this psalm is verses 7 and 8. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I love this dual portrayal of God's nature. On the one hand, there's the deep, roaring waterfall of God's love and affection that overwhelms you until you wonder how you haven't just withered away under its strength. If you've ever been swimming in the ocean, you've probably experienced something like this. You're going along, everything is great, then suddenly a huge wave comes out of nowhere and pulls you off your feet. Then your head goes under, and no matter how much you kick, you can't do anything about it, and you probably swallow a lot of seawater. Your life flashes before your eyes, and then you come up again, sputtering and resolving never to leave dry land again. God's love is like that, overpowering, all-consuming, and frankly, sometimes a little bit terrifying, but in a good way. But on the other hand, we have this image of God directing his love throughout the day and singing over you at night. What I picture here is a loving mother tending to her children with all the blessings of the day, and then, when all that is done, singing a lullaby to a worried and afraid child at bedtime. This verse makes me think of us as children, quietly singing God's lullaby all through the night, singing it back to Him as a prayer. Perhaps it is this song that the psalmist is proclaiming from the heights of Hermon and Mount Mizar. Perhaps it is this lullaby that we are meant to repeat to ourselves to remind us that God is close, even when it doesn't feel like it. It's interesting to me that this passage is embedded in the middle of this psalm of worry and loneliness. This dual image of God's love as both powerful and gentle is perhaps why the psalmist is so sure that we should put our hope in God, so sure that we will yet be praising him again. Our feelings change. We change. But God is constant. I hope it encourages you to know that the God of waterfalls and lullabies is with you, whether it feels like it or not. God loves you with the strength and roar of a wave, and the tenderness of a mother, and he is always close by. Please pray with me. God, thank you for your love and your presence with us always, even when we do not feel that you are close. Please help us to be aware of you and to trust in you. In your name, amen.
2: See
7: see the benediction in your moments of longing remember the lord of waterfalls and lullabies in spring is near go in his peace